Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for coming back. If this is your first time tuning in to the Elevate Podcast, thank you. Today I'm bringing on my friend James Leith, who graciously also was our keynote speaker of last year's Elevate Leadership Summit here in Denver for high school student athletes and coaches. My friend James has worked at IMG Academy as their head of leadership, works with Changing the Game Project, and is the founder of his own company, Unleash the Athletes. Also to note, this summer, if you're an athlete or coach, James is a great live course starting soon to elevate your leadership, mental resiliency, and character development. It is linked up to the podcast notes. You can find James on Twitter and Instagram at James Lee or his website, unleashtheathlete.com. Welcome, my friend, James Leith. Unleash a little bit for us and tell us what Unleash the Athlete is all about. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, Unleash the Athlete is, in a nutshell, all the things that I wish I knew when I was in high school and college playing sports. It, uh, it's a mixture of learning about mental resiliency, about leadership development, and, and really character development. And that's kind of what all my stuff is about. Awesome. Fantastic. Um, I know, you know we've known each other and some mutual friends, and you're well known for the, the games and the lessons you teach through kind of interactive activities. Is there a game right now that you, uh, you've been jiving on and, and using a lot? <laughs> well, the, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a ton of activities out there that can really help teams get together. Um, I have this online course called uh, 52 Team Building Activities for Athletes. And what I find is that athletes or, or great teams have two things, right? They have a shared language. So they have a playbook that they go off of. They understand if someone yells, you know, black 47, you know, everybody knows what's going to happen. And then the other thing is they have inside jokes. And if you remember when you were a kid and you were on a team, you know, the games are fun and, and you know, everybody likes to win, but it's those times in the locker room where you're kind of making fun of each other or you're, just, you're joking around or on the bus or on the sideline on really cold days when you're just huddled up or really hot days when you're throwing water at each other. Like all that stuff is fun. And sometimes as coaches, we get kind of – caught up in okay we got to have practice looks got to got to look really good and we got to be lined up and we got to do this and we, gotta, and we forget that these are still kids that you know what we need to have some some kind of activities to kind of get them in that childlike uh, mentality which is the best way to play sports is, is just having fun and laughing and, and having a good time so uh there's a bunch of activities in there uh i've seen you do rock paper scissors uh, cheerleader, or some people call it rock, paper, scissors, hype squad. That one's a lot of fun. It just gets the energy way up. A lot of the activities that I teach are inspired by improv, improvisational comedy, you know, things like from the uh, Whose Light Is It Anyways. And when you, when you get kids up there in front of their peers and they're laughing at each other and they're having a good time, that translates onto the field as trust, translates into them being able to kind of have each other's back. Uh, one example was I was at IMG Academy as the head of leadership development, and I taught a, a class on kind of improv and and trusting your teammates. And it was this it was one of the women's soccer teams. And during the game, one of our best players got slide tackled really bad. It was it was really brutal. And uh, as she gets up, 
I see her turn to the girl that slide tackled her. And I was like, oh, this is going to be bad. She's going after her. So as she kind of jogs over to that girl, there's some of the teammates on the IMG bench just like, purple duck. And you see this girl stop, look at her teammates, smile, turn around, and walk the other way. Well, Purple Duck was some stupid inside joke that we had the day before in class. <laughs> like it had nothing to do with sports, but it literally saved her from getting a red card and probably booted from the game. Yeah. And the game that we played during the session, I think it took maybe 10 minutes. It wasn't that big of a deal because I had, I had leadership material that we went over too. So I think these activities, you know, if you're a coach listening, you got to remember that if you have these kids that are having fun, that they're, they're easier to teach when they're in a good mood. They're easier to teach when, they're, when they're, their minds are kind of thinking creatively and, and they're, they're happy to be with their friends. Yeah, it's great stuff. Love the Purple Duck story. Um, so I know you, uh, we both uh, played football back in our day, but you also lettered in about every sport I think there is in high school <laughs> um, and, and really, you know, tried everything. Along yeah. that journey in, in your sports, uh, was there a coach that influenced you more than others or impacted you in a, a greater way? Yeah, I had a really interesting experience in high school. My father told me that I needed to either have a job or be on a team. And back when I was in high school, and gosh, I'm, that was in 19, late 1990s, you could, be, you, you could be on multiple teams. You know, coaches would allow that. And I remember playing volleyball and also you know, being on the track team or playing football and also like, you know, sneaking over to basketball practice and like that was possible. And so I had a lot of great coaches in high school. I had some crappy coaches too, but, uh, and I, and I remember, you know, things from both of them, my volleyball coach, my senior year, uh, long story short, I, I was terrible at volleyball. I was terrible at most of the sports, but <laughs> football, you know, like what happened is so I would wrestle and that would make me have a better balance for football. I played basketball. Well, that made me be able to jump higher and be able to catch the ball at a, at a higher point. And so, uh, and, and baseball, I, I really just went out for baseball because I liked the coach. But in all these sports, they made me better just overall. Even though I wasn't fantastic, I, football was my sport. But these other ones were fun. And, and what, it, when you're motivated to not deliver pizzas and you have a lot of enthusiasm, like you can make a varsity team. I mean, it's, it's not... I, my high school was pretty good, but you know, it wasn't that hard to, to make the team. Uh, you just work hard. But anyways, my, my coach, my volleyball coach, he was a volleyball um, kind of guru. And when I made the team, I remember going into his office and I was like, I can't believe I made the team. I'm terrible. And he's like, yeah, I know. I'm like, Dang, come on, coach, give me something. He goes, no, like, you know, you have a good attitude and the guys work hard. You know, you, you kind of inspire the guys. And so, uh, you know, you're not going to play very much, but I'd love for you to be on the team. And so I said, yes. And that ended up being a really great opportunity because I, di I didn't play much. And so I learned to ride the bench and become a role player, which I think every athlete should learn to do. But then there were a couple of instances where I was in his office or we were driving home from a long tournament and he would teach me things like how to be in an interview and how to dress and and, and just how to, what to pay attention to when, when you go and you, you, know, you want to make a good impression. And there was one trip, we were driving home from Las Vegas, it was three hours, and basically just gave me a dissertation on how to present myself in front of people. And it, it, was, it was amazing. And so, you know, uh, his name is um, 
McCaffrey, um, Bob McCaffrey. And, and, uh, he was just, he was just amazing. He was just a good dude. And so, uh, I think about that kind of stuff whenever I'm coaching and I'm like, okay, how can I make this an experience that they will remember for a long time? Definitely. It's a great story. Um, just like you got that <laughs> dissertation, uh, you've always been kind of a, a a lifelong learner. I can see since we've got a video here, you know, the bookshelf of books behind you. Um, yeah. You're an avid reader. Um, why should any athlete or, or every athlete really, uh, or a coach that might be listening, pick up a book? Well, I mean, in high school, I, I didn't read very much. <laughs> I, <laughs> a couple of years ago, so I'm, I'm turning 40 next week. And uh, it took me until I was maybe 23 or so to go back and read all the books that I was supposed to read in high school. And I found that a, a really interesting thing because I was an adult and I could read The Catcher in the Rye and The Great Gatsby and, you know, I could read about Telemachus and, and The Odyssey and, and The Iliad. And I read all these things as an adult after doing life. But I think as a kid, when you, when you read, you realize that uh, there's, there are answers out there. And every, there's a lot of answers out there. And what happens when you read is you learn to ask better questions. And that ultimately, I think, is one of the secrets to success in life is that you learn to ask better questions. And I, I deal with this in, in self-talk where when I'm teaching athletes and coaches how to, how to talk to themselves, I remind them that we speak to ourselves in questions. That when something goes wrong, we ask ourselves like, you know, why did I miss that shot? Why am I so stupid? Why did she say no? why am I so ugly? Like, there's all these questions that we ask ourselves, right? But uh, if we learn to ask better questions, then we're going to give ourselves better answers. And I think that's what, what reading does. Uh, I, I've given books to high school athletes before, and you know, typically they don't read them. But if you can give them a book and like help them like walk them through that, like, okay, we're going to read chapter one and we're going to talk about it. I have found that Legacy is a great book. For, for that. That's, uh, I've given that to a lot of college athletes. And it's the book that and when I was at IMG Academy, a lot of the seniors, I would do like a book club and walk through them. Now there's a little bit of cursing in it. Uh, same for uh, Can't Hurt Me with David Goggins. I've given that to a lot of my pro athletes. Uh, and they, uh, they, they really love that. But I think when you, when you read, like you have time to kind of like have go back and forth with the author, you know, you write in the book and in the margins and I use a lot of post-its and stuff. And so it's kind of a long answer to your question, but I think that's why they should read. Uh, all valuable. Um, great stuff. Uh, you mentioned uh, some of your time at, at IMG Academy. Uh, what was one of your best experiences uh, of being there? Well, just like that story I told you about the purple duck. I, I love that kind of stuff. That, that stuff happened all the time. And I, I take a lot of stories that I share at conferences and, and doing workshops and stuff from my time there because it was such a valuable experience. I mean, if anything, it was just the amount of reps that I got as a speaker. It's just tons and tons of, I was speaking four or five times a day for hours at a time. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of fun, but the staff was a lot of fun. And, you know, it's a, it's a unique environment because everybody there's seeking high performance and, yeah. and how to be better at their sport. And so there were just a lot of, a lot of good things, but yeah, the purple duck story is one that I go back to and, um, there was this other one, uh, again, it was a women's soccer where one of my athletes, she kicked the ball at the goal and missed it by like 10 feet. And I was like, Hey Tate, you suck. And she looked at me like kind of whipped her hair around, like, who's that? And she saw it was me. 
And then she kind of smiled and we laughed and it was fun. Well, like that's a lesson in relationship in that if I didn't know her, if she had never been in my class and laughed and, and knew my heart, she could have taken that in a very different way, right? right? And also I know her and so I knew she would be able to like, oh, internalize that and be like, oh, it's fun. And there's other teammates that she had that I wouldn't have said that to because as a coach, you need to learn how to communicate effectively with each player, not just communicate to everybody exactly the same. Right. So, so that, that's something that I tell that story as well. Right on. Um, you, you spend a, a great deal of your time working with athletes, educating coaches. Uh, if you could wave a magic wand and change one thing about youth uh, or high school sports, what would it be? I would take Thanos's glove with all those diamonds on it, snap my fingers, and parents would be gone. <laughs> they would just, they wouldn't be around. They would allow for their kid to have an, an experience with somebody who is not getting paid enough to do what they do as a coach. And uh, I would just, I would just let the parents kind of like, they would just be quiet and just, they wouldn't say anything. <laughs> Because really, I mean, when you look at the statistics of kids quitting sports, the top reason is the car ride home. Yeah. Uh, it, I've, I, you've had some bad coaches. I've had some bad coaches. And then you get older and you realize, oh, I'm prepared for this boss that I don't like. Yep. Because, you know, he or she is, is not good at what they're doing. Neither was my coach in seventh grade or whatever. And so I think, you know, parents just need to realize that the, the coach is looking out for the team, not just the athlete, not just that person's child. And that gets lost. And there was a story this last week, um, you know, our friend John O'Sullivan wrote a blog about it, about another coach got fired and he didn't get fired for ethical reasons or, you know, you know, degradation of morality or anything. Like he didn't yell at a kid, like, you know, he didn't do anything bad, but the um, parents were they, they like did a coup and they're like, you know, my kid's not playing enough. So let's fire this coach that has like state championships. Yeah. Like it's, it's so dumb, you know? And I, I, I rode the bench in sports when I was in high school. Like I never in a million years would be like, dad, can you call the coach and ask him if, yeah. if I can play more? Like, that's ridiculous. But what I'm seeing is and that was unheard of when you and I were growing up. Yeah. But now I'm seeing as an adult, you know, I'm hiring interns and, you know, looking for people to you know expand my business and even when I was at IMG, I would get emails from parents of people that I interviewed for an adult job. <laughs> yeah. Like the moment mom sends me an email, how did my son do in the interview? He has no chance of getting the job. Like he has completely disqualified himself. Right. And it's, it's unfortunate, you know, but like I'm, I, I'm not going to be fielding emails from parents from adults that I've hired. Yeah, And that's, you know, that's probably a one or two off case, but it, it seems like it's becoming more and more prevalent. Yeah. I think less, less and less surprising. Uh, yeah. Feels like. So um, kind of going back into those uh, high school times, uh, all the lessons you've learned and the, and the journey you've been on. Um, if you could go on a time machine and, and visit 16 year old James, what's one truth about life you would want to tell yourself? a truth about a truth about life or like a something that I teach, like, like yeah, what do you mean? some either or some something 
What's a, what's a great lesson you want to go back and tell 16-year-old you? I would, I would teach my 16-year-old self to pause and take a breath. Instead of reacting, I would say, you know, respond. And we tell kids that, but we don't really give them the opportunity to practice that. And from grade school all the way to the pros that I work with, we do a lot of breathing stuff. And I know that's kind of, it's kind of a hot topic right now. Everybody's talking about breathing, but it's for a reason. And the best athletes in the world have known this for decades. And you see them with their eyes closed and they're taking deep breaths. And there's something that I teach called the Wim Hof method. It's a really cool app. And uh, he's a guy in Poland that does this really deep breathing exercises. And when you do that kind of stuff for a few days, you really see some huge change in your ability to think clearly, in your uh, confidence, in, in just being able to just be relaxed in situations. And uh, even, even working with, with pro basketball players, there was one guy last week or two weeks ago, he's at the free throw line after a bunch of conditioning and he's taking a deep breath, but he's like raising up his shoulders and breathing through his lungs instead of like through his diaphragm, like this really deep breath. And so I, I was able to you know, stop him because I was involved in that part of practice. And I, I tried to walk him through like breathing through his stomach and he couldn't do it. Like here's a pro athlete. He's gotten there despite knowing this stuff. And once he was able to get it, he, you could just see the light bulb go off. You're like, oh my gosh, like that's a lot of oxygen. I'm like, yeah, that's how you sleep. That's how you breathe when you sleep. And so you can do that on the court and it just changed his whole mentality of it. You know, increased his confidence. And I think I would tell myself, hey, think long-term, not so short-term. The bubble that you're in is not the bubble of the world. It's just what you know now. Right. And you don't know very much. <laughs> and as you get older, you realize you know less and less. Right. Uh, great stuff for uh, anyone listening that might be around that age uh, or, or our age. Um, kind of moving forward and looking back and reflecting. Yeah. <laughs> Some adults could close, close their mouth a little bit. <laughs> for sure. I mean, I know I can sometimes. Um, but uh, last question, I always like to, to get people's response because I, I just find it fascinating. Um, how do you define success? That's a great question. I think that for me has is, is evolved over the years. My current definition of success is to be able to struggle well. I don't know where I got that. I think maybe my pastor said that a couple months ago, but uh, I've gone through some, some big transitions over the last two, three years or so. And when, when it comes to struggling, like can you face struggles with a smile? Can you, uh, I just started doing hot yoga about a month and a half ago. I'm totally addicted. I love it. And I struggled the whole time on multiple fronts, like physical, like breathing, um, being able to focus and, you know, just struggle sitting in that struggle and be like, I'm good. Like I'm struggling, but I'm going to, I'm going to finish this. Like if anything, I'm not going outside. I'm going to stay in this heat and this dirty air, <laughs> you know, sweat dripping off my back like an ocean. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think, I think my definition of success right now is to be able to struggle well.